0: Come on. Heart Church, Escondido. Reaching lost prodigals with the life of Jesus. What will be said about us, the church? Today, we're talking about the impact that God has designed for us to live through the local church. I so believe in the local church. I just believe that it's God's vehicle for the hope of the world. I think you believe in it too. I think that there's still hope for the church of Jesus Christ in all forms across the globe. Anybody with me? This is what we're doing. And uh, and so I want to I want to open up a passage of scripture that we're going to learn from in regards to what the church is about, what this church is about, and, uh, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. And so um, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, and it's a really fun story that uh, we're going to hopefully help make come alive. And it starts in verse 17 of Luke chapter 5. It says this, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him, Jesus. And when they had, could not find how they might bring him in, Because of the crowds, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. God, I thank you for today and the message that you have for us that's compelling, God, that's inspiring, that is life-giving, and that is a message of hope for the world through the local church. I thank you that, that though we read about incredible miracles done through you, Jesus, and through your disciples 2,000 years ago, the story is still being written. Lives are still being changed. And so, God, I pray that you would open up our eyes once again to this reality, that we might partner with you, your beautiful bride, the church, in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, so sometimes I I like to start out with, with a story, um, and, 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 and some of you may have heard this story before, but I haven't told it in a long time. But it's true. Uh, anybody here with me where um, you have kind of a weak stomach? Anybody have a weak stomach? Uh, I have the world's weakest stomach. And, and, and the way that that translates is that you know, a couple times a year, for a variety of different reasons, I end up just kind of losing it. Huddled over, you know, the porcelain. Uh, throwing up for a variety of different reasons because I just have a very weak stomach. I mean, I can eat a piece of chicken that maybe was just like you know uh, ha- had too much spice on it or see something I've thrown up because I've watched a TV show and I had too much blood because I like I'm really not I can't do blood so I don't watch the medical shows and things. Um, and so anyway, um, a couple years ago, well, a number of years ago, I was um, getting on a flight to Washington. And um, that morning I woke up and it was just kind of one of those mornings where like my stomach was just not right. Worst feeling in the world. Your stomach's just not right. It's kind of doing like the somersaults. You know, the little hamster in the wheel. You ever feel like that's happening in your stomach? And um, I remember getting to the airport and, uh, you know, I ate something and drank some water and I was still not feeling it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm hoping like this is going to get better. I'm starting to have like some cold sweats, right? I went to the bathroom and nothing's sort of getting rid of just this ugh feel. So nevertheless, the, the, the flight starts to get bored. And so we're, we're in line and I'm like, it's going to be fine, right? I just need to get, I need to get on the airplane. Maybe I'm nervous. And so I, I get on the flight and i'm in the middle right i'm i'm flying by myself cuz you know um and so i i'm in the middle seat of course that's where you always are right and the place is packed this is pre covid right we're packed and i've got like a just a really wonderful elderly couple on either side of me and um and so we we start taxiing out onto the to the runway and um i'm like just at this point turning pale, right? I'm scrambling around to look for like the barf bag. Of course, it's not there. And so I'm looking to my left and to my right. Now we're on the runway, getting ready to take off. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm going to have an accident. And so so I do what anyone would do. And that is I get up, I step over this nice elderly lady sitting right there and I'm in the hallway right and I'm about in the middle of the plane so I can go front or back it's about the same distance it really doesn't matter at this point I just need to get to the bathroom and so I decide to go back so I'm so I'm headed back everybody else like seat belts are locked in we are taxiing on the runway and I hear what you never want to hear in this moment and that is uh please sir can you have your uh, take your seat please and so at this point I look now you know, I mean, people are sketchy on an airplane. They never know, like, is this guy a threat? So everyone's looking at me, right? I'm the only guy standing in the middle of the road. We're about to take off. And so I freeze, right? Now, everyone's looking at me. The stewardess who's on the phone, they're looking at me like, what's this guy going to do, right? Is he a risk? Is he a flight risk? <laughs> and so I'm like, if I go back and sit down, I, I know what's going to happen. And so I'm not going to do that. So I turn around and I make a run for it. So I am like full on mad dash to the bathroom and I almost get there and the back stewardess thinking that they're doing everyone a favor because somehow I'm hijacking the plane in the back, I don't know, but they jump out and they're like, ah, I caught you, right? And they grab me literally by the hand and walk me back to my seat. And I, you know, in the middle of that, I'm trying to explain quietly, you know, like, I got to go to the bathroom. They're Like, no, you need to have a seat. We're about to take off. It's not safe. So I sit down, buckle my seatbelt, and literally moments later, my tummy did what it, it's, it, every tummy does when you hit right the takeoff. Right, you just boom, and I'm like, Wah! and I grab my shirt, Wah! right. So now, so now I went from cold sweats and feeling horrible, turning green, to now I'm like, I actually feel fine. <laughs> it's like total relief. And so now I just sit back and I'm, I'm holding my shirt. I'm like, ah. Oh. So now, I mean, poor elderly couple. I mean, they're losing their junk, right? I mean, everyone's like, oh, what's that smell? And I'm like, I've, I tried to eliminate this. True story. I am a grown man in the middle of this airplane, and now I've got this mess, so we get to 30,000 feet, seatbelt light goes off, and I just get up and stroll back to the bathroom. Luckily, I had a shirt underneath my shirt, and so I took it off, and, and, and then came out of the bathroom and handed it to the stewardess, and I said, you're welcome. Went back and sat down. ha, <laughs> true story. Joe, you're looking at me like, who are you? You are so gross. (laughs) If we're not careful, the church can become an environment. You guys are like, wow, he's going to connect the dots with this? Good luck. (laughs) If we're not careful, the church can become a place where sick people feel out of place, unwanted, unwelcome. Like everyone's looking at me because I'm the only one here with the issue. And really, you just need to sit down, put your seatbelt on, and fall in line like everybody else. And if we're not careful, this actually kind of looks like the cabin of an airplane right the stewardess is going to be by shortly serving coffee and donuts so just sit down don't mention your issues or your problems and let's just get to thirty thousand feet and i believe that the church is so much more than that and my passion in my heart and your passion in your heart is that no one whoever darkens the door of a church building or a church event would ever feel like I felt that day, that I was all alone, the only one with the problem and the issue, and how dare I try to get up and do something about it because I just am asked to sit back down and don't make a mess. So I love this story of these these guys and in this unlikely situation and before we get to the four guys that we read about I want to talk about the meeting because I believe that these Pharisees these religious people right we always peg them as like the the negative horrible people but to them they were awesome they were good people and they were planning an epic event and I'll bet you they had this event planned down to the T. They had their seats. Everyone had gotten there early to get their seats, right? They have a guest speaker coming. This guest speaker is the Messiah, Jesus in flesh, incarnate. He's coming and being the guest speaker at their gathering. They had coffee and donuts in the back. Their air conditioning was working brilliantly. Everything was set for this amazing meeting. And Jesus came and he taught. And it was awesome. And really the only thing that was missing. And and it's this thing that Jesus makes the whole thing. And that was in the midst of your awesome, perfect, amazing gathering, meeting, service event. You just didn't make any room for broken people. You You made no room you you were unwilling to sacrifice and be inconvenienced because it was just too difficult. Like, listen, our seats are already set. It's, it's awkward when people are standing in the back, and so it's full. We just need to have this nice, tidy event. There's no room for a mess because let's be honest, church isn't messy. Church is holy. It's holy. And so... And so let's just keep this awesome little event as it is because a, a stretcher would just mess everything up. Can you imagine having to move chairs? Can you imagine? They made no room. And so these guys got there and they saw, they saw a sign out front. No stretchers allowed on this site. Right? I mean, that's obvious because an event like this doesn't work with somebody bringing a stretcher. He didn't know those signs existed, but they do. 2,000 years ago, red and blue was a hot color. So, so we learned three things from these guys and, um, and, 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 and from this event. And these are things that are true about our church. They're true about where we're going, where we're headed. And they're true about what's in your heart. And and the first is this. Uh, Church is messy, not manicured. Church should be messy. Can I hear an amen? amen? It says, the power of the Lord was present to heal. I think this is so incredible and so interesting because the power of the Lord was present to heal. The place was packed and no one was getting healed. These four guys hadn't shown up. Who who knows how long the meeting had gone? Jesus, the guest speaker, had been invited to this event. Filled with people. The power of the Lord was present to heal. Jesus wasn't mad at them. He wasn't withholding his goodness from them. His presence was there and ready and available. And yet, before these guys literally break through the roof, no one got healed. How often do we hear the phrase, from people man i I need, I need to get back in church, like you know what i need to I need to get back in church, I mean, maybe you said that before you came here like yeah, it's been a while. I need to get back in church. I can't tell you how many people I talk to because, you know, inevitably I say, I'm a pastor. We planted a church and like, I try not to sell it and, 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 you know, um, make people feel uncomfortable, but they ask. And so I tell them what I do. And I can't tell you how many times I, I, I talk to people that say, oh yeah. And I don't know if they're telling me that just because they want me to like, you know, feel good or whatever, but they're like, yeah, I need to get back in church. And you know what they say after that? But you know how many churches I've been to where I saw that sign out front? No stretchers allowed on this site. Like, you don't understand. They don't accept my kind at church. And so, and so, yeah, I need to get back in church, but I also need to get my life back together so that when I go to church, it's not super awkward. Because I know what church is about. Church is about kind of like the people that have got it together in the perfect rows and the chairs and the guest speaker and it's this amazing event, but that's not for me. I don't belong there. It would be awkward. I literally talked to somebody two weeks ago that say, yeah, um, no church would ever want me in it. She said, thank you for inviting me to church. No church would want me in their church. And she almost said it with a smile, like, like I get it. I, get, I know who I am and I know who you are and I know it just wouldn't work. We can do better. We are doing better. I love, um, I'm gonna tell you just a, a slightly different story and so stay with me. Um, I, I, love, I love the first time that Jesus ever mentioned the church. It's a super epic moment, and we're going to read about it in Matthew chapter 16, because this is Jesus, the Son of God, coming to talk about the thing that he came to build. What he came to do was lay his life down on the cross and raise to newness of life to give us that same opportunity. But what he came to build was the local church. Not a building, not an event, but the people of God being the church. And the first time he came to talk about that event is what we're gonna read about it. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, those people who were going to Israel were going there. It's awesome. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And skipping down a few verses, it says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah notice he calls him Simon because that's what his name was but this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by your father in heaven and I tell you that you are Peter so Jesus is changing Simon's name right and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute and on this rock I will build my church how many know this is this is his church It doesn't belong to a denomination or a pastor or a committee or a group of elders. It's his church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail or overcome it. When we talk, I want you to leave this, this slide up. When we talk about on this rock, there's a lot of different ways you can take this. And I believe they're all true. But I want to talk about one that's slightly different. So the couple of ways that you can take this is um, Jesus is changing Peter's name, Simon. Simon means reed or fickle, back and forth, back and forth. No one can relate with that, but he could. Back and forth, right? He's changed his name to Peter, which means rock or stone. You're solid. I'm going to change you from being fickle, being back and forth, being up and down, hot and cold, kind of a mess, to solid. Right? Amazing. So, so Jesus is saying, on, on people like you, Peter, I'm building the church. The solid, we are, we are literally the cornerstone, we, we are the stones that God is using, right? And then the other way you can take this is upon, upon this rock, the confession of Peter, you are the Christ, I'm building my church on Christ. He is the cornerstone, and that is 100% what this church is built on. So both of those things are true. But I want to draw another conclusion that is also true. Jesus said, upon this rock. Everyone say, this rock. So no one ever bothers to think about what this rock actually was, considering where they were. Show the picture. Upon this rock. He was literally standing on a giant boulder. I took that picture. Caesarea Philippi was a pagan, very pagan, very wicked city. And, and they had the epicenter of the god Zeus. And that black hole, you can go to the next picture is what was called the gates of hell. So when we read this verse and Jesus says and and, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it, we're like thinking metaphorically and we're thinking that Jesus is saying that the church is going to be able to come against all the darkness and that's all true. But where Jesus was actually standing was on a rock And that rock was literally the epicenter of what was known as the gates of hell. It was a pagan temple where they would bring newborn babies and throw them in as a sacrifice. It was the worst, most hellish place on the planet. And Jesus says, hey, field trip. Disciples, get in the bus. Because we're going on a field trip. Because I want to talk to you about the thing that's the, this, this nearest and dearest to my heart. It's the very first time that Jesus mentioned the word church. I want to talk to you about this church. This, this thing that's going to be around for the next 2,000, 3,000 years. This thing that's going to transform the planet. I want to talk to you about that. And I have the perfect place to take you. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. And the disciples were like, is he going to take us out on the Sea of Galilee? Right? You know what I would have done if I was Jesus? I would have taken the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee with no boat. Come on. Come on. I don't know, Jesus. No, seriously, come on. You're going to be fine. Peter, our Peter already did it. Y'all can do it. Come on. And they just walk out onto the Sea of Galilee. And then he's like, the church is going to be amazing. It's going to be filled with signs and wonders. Look, you're floating. Okay. And then it's going to be beautiful. Look around. It's the Sea of Galilee. This is going to be awesome. That's what I would have done. But instead, Jesus takes them here. And he says, upon this rock, right in the middle. Of your struggle. Because see, this place didn't represent some distant land or some foreign object or thing in their life. This represented the very thing that the disciples were up against in their lives. And he said, In the middle of the struggle, I'm building my church. In the middle of your struggle, I'm building. My church. See, the church is not meant for just the good days and just the perfect people. The church is meant for the struggle. The church is meant to be messy and dysfunctional in the middle of all of that. I am going to do something beautiful. So I'm going to stand right here in front of this black hole that's literally the darkest thing on the planet. And I'm going to stand on this rock that represents that thing. And I'm going to say, Upon this rock. I'm building something, and it's you. See, the church isn't just for the Sea of Galilee, where we get to float out in these majestic moments. The church is for Caesarea Philippi and the gates of hell. And then, I love this. And then he says, "Oh, by the way, in the middle of all this, like if, that's, if that wasn't epic enough, he says, "And hey, Peter," or I'm, mean, "Hey, Simon, you're Peter." In other words, he knew that Peter, along with us, would be tempted to to look through our struggle and find our identity through our struggle. I wrote this, you'll be tempted to let your struggles shape your identity. Because when we struggle, it automatically brings us to, well, I guess that's who I am. I guess I'm a failure. Yeah, I don't belong here, a part of this church, a part of doing this. I don't belong in leadership because I am a mess. And Jesus was saying, no, 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 you don't understand. Upon this mess, with this mess, I'm gonna build something beautiful. We are a part of something incredible and it's not because we are awesome and put together. It's because he is. And he has invited you and me to build an incredible church. I wrote this: How often do we give into that other narrative that says, "Church is for the version of me that's not broken?" How often do does the world give in to that narrative? Church is for the version of me that's not broken. And Jesus said, "Now, upon this rock, upon your struggles, your weaknesses, I'm building it. I'm building it. The second idea is this. Church is about carrying one another. It says, finding no way to bring him in, they let him down through the tiles. In comes the party crashers. They're having this incredible meeting. Jesus doesn't think it's incredible because his power is there to heal everybody, but... They're not having it because they'd rather just have a perfect meeting. And so they're all loving it. And all of a sudden, literally, the tile starts breaking in and, and, they, and they interrupt the whole thing. Listen, these four guys, like they missed all the worship. They missed half of the announcements. All the coffee and the donuts are gone. And by the time they get there, it's like you've interrupted the whole thing thing. And what does Jesus do? Jesus celebrates the guys who missed half the meeting and tore a hole in the roof. And he's like, that's what it's about. Right there. This is what it's about. In case y'all missed it, this is what we're doing. Meanwhile, the house is packed, filled with broken people. Too proud to be on a stretcher, too ashamed to be carried, and too isolated to be healed. I mean, it's like it's like half of us walk in and we're limping. Right? And and, and our friends like, Hey, like, are you okay? It looks like you're limping. No, I'm not limping, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, seriously, like it looks like half your leg isn't working. What are you talking about? <laughs> have you ever have you ever been like totally broken but you think that no one else sees it? Like I'm good. It's like the little kids that put the sunglasses on and think they're invisible. Right? It's like that works when you're little. But everyone sees. Everyone knows it's fine. But you're like, "What are you talking about? I'm not I'm good. I just need to find a chair and it'll, it'll be fine." And 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 like this place was crowded, filled with people coming from all over. And they're all there with the Son of God who's there to heal them. And no one's saying a word. I'm fine. I'm fine. It occurs to me that if we just kind of break down the math, break down the math here... Um, one out of every five people is on a stretcher. I mean, we look at this story and we go, okay, I get it. There's one guy who was on a stretcher. Everybody else was fine. Really? Because in my world and in my life, it's about every five, one out of every five is on a stretcher. And and, and today it's my buddy and tomorrow it's me. So the minute that we accept this narrative that like, Only sinful, broken, like bad people have to get carried on a stretcher because they're so broken and so hurt is the minute that we've totally lost sight of reality and what this thing is all about. We should expect as people living this thing out on this rock that every once in a while, yeah, you're going to roll up. And four of your wolf pack are going to be carrying you in. Because I couldn't get here on my own. So I needed some brothers and some sisters to come to my rescue. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I don't feel less than because of that. I feel alive today because I was willing to say, hey, I could fake it and come to church and leave completely unchanged. That's the tragedy here is that these people packed in this house had access to the Messiah and they walked away completely unchanged. One guy experienced the power of God because he was willing to be carried in a stretcher. So how about you? And how about me? See, this is, this is church. This is what we do. And, and, and the, we can't give into this narrative that, that the people that need to get carried in, in here are, are like the lost people. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, totally. We got to get them in here and we'll love on them. But like once you're in and you've like sort of, you know, recited the, you know, the, the you know, the, the Apostles Creed. And now you carry a Bible and it's like now you can't end up in a stretcher because if you do, that says a lot about you. It says a lot about your faith and your commitment. And so you better not end up back on a stretcher because we already did that. That is such a lie. A stretcher is not meant for your old life. That's meant for today, right? Because God's given us people in our life to carry us. I I love this um, scripture out of Galatians chapter six, verse two and three. It says, love empowers us to fulfill the the law of Christ as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you're too important to stoop down and help another, you are (laughs) deceived. In other words, this is what, It's about. about. Lastly, what we learn from these guys is church is simply an introduction. And he said, man, uh, your sins are forgiven. I love this because it's so unlikely. So these guys, I mean... How much did they have to sacrifice to, to go find this guy and, and, and to, to bring him? I mean, there's no Uber, right? Like they literally walked for probably miles and miles with this guy on a stretcher, finally got there. There's no way in. They break in the roof, right? I mean, like, can you imagine what, what was going through their mind of like, we're going to get in some serious trouble, but it's totally worth it. And so they risked everything, lowered him down, The guy who's physically broken, and the only guy there available to fix him says, Your sins are forgiven? Like, what? Jesus, like, the stretcher, hello? He's broken. He needs to be healed. And I get it you like forgive sins and you're making a point but like Jesus you just totally missed it. <laughs> like you could have done that you know and he we could have left him outside. And I thought about this how often do we think we know what somebody needs? because something in me says that this guy was screaming on the inside, Jesus, don't Don't get me wrong, I, I wanna walk. But there are things about me that are much more broken than that. And these are things that I didn't even tell these guys. And how many times do we walk in these doors and do other people walk in these doors? And it's like, okay, I get it. Sometimes there's some obvious things that we need help with. But then there's that whole other thing there that we are all about here. And yet we get so stuck looking at somebody and the outward and we kind of, we give the practicals and we think you need to do this. And that's the, that's the version of church that this is what they think. This is what the world thinks about church. If I come to church, everyone will tell me what I should do and not do because they're going to hit me with this. So if you just do the right thing and put your life back together, then I can, then we can help you. So that's what church is. And these guys, they lower Jesus in and then they go It's an introduction was all that was needed. These guys simply broke down every obstacle for this guy to sit at the feet of Jesus. That that's what we do. We break down every obstacle for people to just have their moment with Jesus. And then we say, all right, Jesus, you take over. Like, I don't need to add anything more to that. There's no code of conduct that you gotta sign when you come in the door, right? We don't hit people with a list of do's and don'ts. We just say, listen, how can we remove all the obstacles so that when you come to this place, you got your moment with Jesus? And after you have your moment with Jesus, after you have your moment, you don't need a set of rules or a list of expectations because you got Jesus. He is going to lead you and guide you and fix you. Our church is about introducing people to Jesus. Not a religion or a behavior or a set of values. It's Jesus And once we meet him, once he speaks to us, it's all you need. So this is what we get to be a part of. Upon this rock, he's using you. He's using me. Wherever we find ourselves in life, to come alongside one another, and build something beautiful, something that will change the face of the planet, something that's changing our city. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be called by you. And God, I thank you about these five guys, four of which seemed fine and one of which was completely broken and on any given day we could be any one of those five guys and nevertheless you call us out by name and you say come on let's let's build something incredible together and so father god we give you praise for what you're doing with heart church and what you're doing in our lives in jesus name amen and amen god bless you